So that's really important. It's also not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are here with us today. Uh, we're missing a couple people here in person, but whether you're online uh, watching live or if you're watching the YouTube video or here with us in person, thank you for being here and being a part of our body in whatever way you might be. Um, having all those resources are a really, really cool thing in, in today's day and age. But you might have noticed, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, I started, I guess you could call it a new series, um, but it has been over the book of First Peter. And First Peter is a book that we kind of neglect to teach on, preach on sometimes. You probably haven't heard a ton of sermons out of some of these small New Testament books. Um, but I wanted to take a look and just go through the text uh, of a book, and First uh, Peter was a great one because we don't talk about it that often. So if you remember, we're just kind of going chapter by chapter through 1 Peter. And the first week, I spent most of my time in 1 Peter chapter 1, the first half, and 1 Peter chapter 2, the first half. And the first week, in the first section of 1 Peter, Peter is really encouraging these Christians. If you look at the very first verses of 1 Peter, you can see uh, who it is writing it. It is indeed Peter, the apostle, and we know him well. We know all of his ups and downs when he's walking alongside Christ. Like I mentioned, this is the Peter who stood alongside Jesus and said, I would die for you, I will stick with you forever, and then later that night denied him three times and ran away weeping. Peter is, is a real person who's gone through the ups and downs of what it looks like to follow Christ, and now he's writing Christians. And if you notice in the first verse or two of this book, he's writing Christians that are called exiles because they're in all of these different places. They've now kind of been dispersed and they're in different regions and they're in, in places that doesn't feel like home. So in the, the first half of the first chapter, the first half of the second chapter, Peter encourages Christians. He reminds us of the promise that we have, the inheritance we have of heaven, the joy we can have in that inheritance, and the protection we have in the Lord. He also reminds us that Jesus is the cornerstone of, of the temple, if you want to call it that, and we each are living stones in that same temple. But because we're living stones in God, we might be stumbling stones for those who don't follow God and who don't listen to His commands and who don't follow Him. So the first week we talked about the encouragement that we have, the promises that we have. We have an inheritance. We're beneficiaries of the kingdom of heaven. And then last week, um, I said there's kind of two parts to the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to be kind of in the second part for the rest of our time, is if that is our promise, God has guaranteed us an inheritance as children of God, we have a big so what. And that's what the rest of the book is about. And so last week, we talked about the so what of being called holy like God is called holy. We have a job to do as Christians, we are called to be holy like God is holy. So what does that look like in our lives? And today I'm going to kind of build on that just a little bit more. Um, we spent the rest of our time looking at the last half of chapter 1 last week. And this week we're going to spend the, the rest of our time looking at the last half of chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, First Peter, it's a smaller book in the New Testament, but an easy way to find it is to go backwards and find it towards the end of your Bible there. But we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, the last half today. And uh, honestly, it's a good thing. I like textual series because if you got a problem with today's sermon, don't shoot the messenger. It's not from me, right? That's one of the things. I, I have lots of things I could tell you guys, but this one's just from 
the Word of God. So this one's from God. So if you've got a problem with today's sermon, you're going to have to take it up with God, okay? Because he wrote it uh, through Peter, and it's in your Bible. So I don't know. You're going to have to wrestle with that one. The reason I say that is because today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3, and we're going to look at this idea of submit. Submit. Submission. Submit is the word that Peter uses And the reason that I kind of gave you that don't shoot the messenger message is, I don't know about you, but I don't think Americans really like this word too much. Submit is not an American word, not one that we really enjoy doing, right? We're like, oh, we don't need to submit. We're free. We're Americans. We've got rights. And we've developed ourselves into a people because of our nation, and we're super independent. And that could be a really, really good thing sometimes, but also it's got a bad side to it that when words like this come up, submit, we get challenged in a way we don't want to be challenged because we're independent and we're proud of it and we don't have to submit to nobody, America, right? Again, this isn't Harold's sermon. This is straight out of the book of 1 Peter. So if you've got issues with it, you've got to talk to God about it later. But this idea of submit is a really, really powerful one. And it's a hard thing for us to do because we see submit in our culture as an evil word, but it's not an evil word. It's got its right place, and what we're going to talk about today is how that we as Christians, we have an authority. Who's, who's a Christian's number one authority? Okay, you need to, who's a Christian's number one authority? God. You can, Jesus is an acceptable answer. God and Christ, right? That's our number one authority, but those aren't our only authorities. Even humans uh, have to be submissive and submit to other humans at times. And so what Peter's going to write about here in chapter 2, and we're going to head over chapter 2, verses 13 through 25 to get us started today, is that sometimes we even have to submit to other people as humans. What do you guys think of this picture right here? I think this is what most Americans think of when they think of the word submit especially in our day and age and culture and all the things that have happened in the past few years, right? We think of it as an evil thing, but yet we as Christians are called to more than that. So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to be uh, in verse 13, but I'm actually going to take it back a verse where we read last week. I'm going to start in verse 12. So no cheating today. You've got to look up the Bible verses on your own. They're not up there. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses, I'm going to start in verse 12 through 25. This is out of the NIV version. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the empire. Slaves, In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up 
under the pain of an unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. This, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's a big section of scripture. It's the first section we're going to look at today. But if you just look at it and kind of take a step back and see what the whole purpose of it is, is it's the idea of submit, the idea of submission. And so you feeling challenged yet? Like I said, I don't think we're good as a culture at this idea of submission. It's a hard thing for us as Americans in 2023, submission, the idea of submit. But when we read what Peter's writing here, what God is writing through Peter, you might notice I started all the way back in verse 12. God is telling us to live good lives in the world. That's what we ended with last week in chapter 2, the beginning. I guess it was two weeks ago. Chapter 2, verse 12, we talked about that for just a second. So if we are to live good lives in the world that people can see Christ through us, what is one way that we do that? Well, it's submission. It's the very first word of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 is the word submit, a challenging word. Submit for the Lord's sake to every human institution or be subject to everyone. It's challenging. We need to submit not only to God, but to other people. Again, this is not a sermon from me. This is a sermon from God. Just reading you the text. You can be mad with him later. Submission's a hard one. I don't know about you, but I wrestle with this one. I think we all wrestle with this one. Submitting to people, authorities, people above us is really, really difficult. But think about these people for a second. First Peter is written to exiles in various countries of various places who aren't at home. And the first thing Peter comes out the gate and says here in chapter 2, verse 13 is, submit to the authorities, to the empires, to the rulers, to the governors. And he says that to people who are living in a foreign land where they probably don't understand the authorities or the governors or the laws. They're not theirs. And so if you were to take your human perspective on that, the easy thing to do as an exile in a foreign land would be to deny the foreign land's laws, the foreign land's governors, the foreign land's emperors. But Peter doesn't tell them to do that. He tells them instead to submit to those authorities, even if they're not their own, because they're exiles in a foreign land. And so when you think about all of these challenges these people might have, they're exiles in a foreign country. Verse 13 says, submit to every human authority, and it goes down the list. He goes through the emperors, 
the emperors, the governors, the supreme authorities, all of those people for the exiles. But he starts us off with a really, really tough one. A really, really tough one because he says, submit to every human authority, depending on your version. Every authority. Everyone? Everyone? That seems pretty hard for us to do today. I can't imagine the exiles doing that. Every authority? What if they have strange laws? What if they have a bad ruler? What if I don't like them? Those are all the same questions that the exiles in all these various places were probably asking themselves. But we ask ourselves the same questions, don't we? What if I don't agree with the police officer that I was doing 100 in a 35-mile-an-hour zone? I don't like that law. You still get to submit to it, right? What if I don't agree with our governors and our leadership, our city council, whatever you want to pick? You still get the opportunity to submit to them. Every people in authority doesn't let you pick and choose out of the people. That's the hard part for us as Americans. What if I don't like the person in charge of the country? Every person doesn't let you pick and choose uh, the human authorities that are over you. We have a kind of an entitled sense in America that we get to pick and choose the human authorities over us. And if we pick the wrong one for the rest of the country, then we're stuck with the wrong one. Of course, they do everything bad for the next two, four, however long years, right? That's kind of a false idea when it comes to Christianity because no matter who is ahead of us in authority, we are called to submit to everyone in authority over us. And Peter hits kind of those right on the head, right? Emperors, governors, those above us, no matter what they might be. So how does that look in our lives today? Terrible, hard, rough, tough work. Because again, this was written to exiles in foreign countries, but is it not written to us as well? We are given the call to submit to every authority over us. And this is not just talking about God. This is talking about other humans as well. It's a challenge. Now, you might, you might have heard this argument before. People read 1 Peter, and they, they hear a sermon like I'm trying to give you, and they say, now, hold on a minute. Those authorities have a job that they're supposed to be doing. Did you catch it in 1 Peter chapter 2 here? They're supposed to be good authorities and good rulers. They're supposed to be uh, promoting what is right and dispelling what is wrong, for a lack of better words, right? So if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, I don't have to submit. Most Christians would not word it out that much for you, but I think a lot of us have that mindset in our heads. If they're really a bad ruler and they're not following God and they're not doing right and wrong, I don't got to submit to them. Well, I would say, okay, that's a good argument for about three seconds until you finish reading what we read here today. Because Peter goes on, God goes on to talk about slaves. And he goes on to talk about Jesus. And so he starts off with emperors and rulers and all that. and We see that they're supposed to be good. But then he goes into slaves and he says, basically, for a lack of better words, it's pretty easy to be submissive to a good slave driver, but how much more is it credited to you if you're submissive to a bad one? Anybody ever feel like we are slaves under a bad slave driver? 
Do you need me to quote, quote some Ecclesiastes from this morning for you? Yeah, life can be tough, and we can feel like we are uh, under the thumb of people who are bad rulers, bad governors, bad slave owners. But we are supposed to be slaves. Slaves to who? To God. And if we're supposed to be slaves to God, even those bad slave owners, those bad authorities over us, don't really matter that much, do they? They don't really matter that much. The other argument for this is, well, I'm an American. I don't have any slave owners. I'm free. That's not true. That's not true. Everybody's got authorities over them. We just don't call them slave owners and slaves today. Many of us get the opportunity to go work at a job. Your boss is going to be really happy because I give him permission to be a slave driver. Kind of is, though, right? Whoever your boss is, him or her, they have authority over you. And if you don't follow that authority, you're probably going to get fired. An authority over you. Good or bad slave driver? I don't know. But that's an authority over us. What about that one I mentioned just a minute ago? Those people in our cities and towns and counties, public servants, police officers. Tell you what, if you don't think they have authority and they got you in a situation where they got authority, you're going to go to jail. That's how it works. They're over authority over you. And you can keep taking that up the ladder further and further down the line. We all get this opportunity to practice submission, even though we wouldn't call ourselves slaves. But we should be slaves. We should be slaves of God. We're called to submission of all authorities. I think it's really, really hard for us because, like I said, we want to make this world the greatest place. We want to make this country the greatest place. But if we're really in submission to God, we don't look forward to a better America, as the Hebrew author would say. Instead, we are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So while we practice living out this life in submission, we know we're not going to achieve heaven on earth because we know heaven's in heaven. And so sometimes I think we get our priorities a little wrong because we forget to submit because it's hard, because they're wrong. But they're never going to be right because we long for a better country, a heavenly one. So focus on God, be a slave for Christ. That's what it's all about. This next little piece of submit actually comes chapter 2, verse 18. It's kind of the end of this chapter 2 section. Let me take you back here, getting close to the end. He's talking about slaves and how we have freedom. So he goes from slaves and then he goes to talking about freedom. And that is something that I think we all hold very dearly to our hearts is the freedom that we have in Christ. We're no longer bound by the bondage of sin. We're no longer entrapped in our old lives, but rather Jesus Christ has set us free. That is the true definition of freedom. But we have a challenge with freedom is to not give in to evil, but instead to become a slave to God, like I've mentioned. The freedom we have doesn't entail us to not submit to anybody. It doesn't make us better than anybody, but instead it gives us a challenge now that we have freedom to be in submission to God. And now, like Peter's saying, be in submission to those earthly masters. We're called to submit 
And that's the example that Jesus gave. That's the very last part of chapter 2 right here. The example that Jesus gave is he submitted to authorities and he suffered for it. I invite you, if you've got an extra chunk of time this week, go look up in the Gospels, find stories of Jesus interacting with authorities. You'll find a lot. And you might dig through them and be like, okay, so is Jesus submitting to authority here or is he not? Depending on your perspective, you could probably find answers for both, right? Oh, he healed on the Sabbath. That was not uh, submitting himself to authorities. Hmm, interesting. But you could also find a lot of examples where even though he was doing what was right, he was still submitting himself to the authorities. We make a lot of jokes about how Jesus uh, never really answers a question except with a question. I think he does that as an example to submission to the people that were even ahead of, in charge of him on this earth. But it is those same authorities and those same people that ultimately fulfilled the plan of Jesus being crucified on the cross. So if you really want to think about submission, I invite you to dig through Jesus' example, see what you come up with. I think that would be kind of an interesting one. Peter's challenging us to, uh, to submit like Jesus did, to submit to God before and then the human authorities ahead of us. That's chapter 2 of 1 Peter, but I also want to look here at chapter 3. Because oftentimes you'll probably hear a sermon, and that's exactly right before the preacher gets fired, about submission to authorities in 1 Peter chapter 2. But I don't think the idea of submission stops at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, right there at the end. I think it also continues into chapter 3. And this one might be hitting a little closer to home because they're all tied together. They're all tied together. Okay, I'm challenged with the idea that I have to submit to authorities like government people ahead of me. But what about something closer to home? Well, read with me here. 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, I think I'm actually going to read through verse 9. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 9. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over with words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put, up, put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You who are daughters, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in this gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because this is what you were called so that you may inherit the blessing. So like I said, we just spent a considerable amount of time on a challenging topic of submitting to authorities all over 
this life that we're living, human authorities. And we get to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I love the transition word. He says wives, okay, we got that. But then he also says in the same way, meaning this is a continued thought about this idea of submission. And he's going to continue on talking about submission. So I'll just go ahead and quickly wrap up the sermon here and say, wives, submit to your husbands. No, it's not that simple, is it? That is what Peter starts off and says, wives, submit to your husbands. That's what a lot of us men like to just quote that one to you real quick. Wives, submit to your husbands. But if you actually take a look at what God is writing through Peter here, he's still on the same idea of submission under God. And part of that is this thing that's close to home, the relationship you have with your spouse. Wives, submit to your husbands, what? But there's also a husband's part of that too, isn't there? Husbands, live with your wives. That's kind of a mean way to say it. Husbands, live with your wives. The challenge is still there, not just for the supreme authorities over us, but for one another in our own household. How are you going to work out living together under God? Well, you've got to be in submission to one another if you're married. It doesn't work very well if one is ruling over the other or the other isn't submitting to another. You've got to work together. This idea of teamwork did not come from nowhere when we talk about it at weddings. We have a relationship at home that falls under the same category of, of submitting that Peter's talking about here. So I invite you, don't write off 1 Peter chapter 3 when it comes to the idea of submission. I think 2 and 3 work together in quite a great way. I think submission is a really, really tough one for us to chew on as a culture in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 3. So I invite you, if you heard this sermon, it's not from me. You can't be mad at me. But I don't want you just to hear it because these are things you really got to read and chew on. Because what does this look like in our lives? Well, Peter talks about authorities. He talks about rulers. He talks about all of these people that we must submit to. And I would dare to say, if you read chapter 2, he's saying even if they're good or even if they're bad. And then he takes us into chapter 3, and he says the idea of submission is still there when it comes home. Wives and husbands, you get the opportunity you're required to submit to one another. How does that look like in your home? How do you work as a team? Chew on chapters 2 and 3. Read them. Read them. Because submission is a really, really tough thing for us as Christians in the 21st century in America in 2023 to get behind and to understand. But I don't think we're alone. I think these exiles scattered throughout the region, they also were struggling with what submission to people that they didn't belong with looked like. I mentioned it last week, but do you ever feel like a foreigner in your own land because you're a Christian? I think we do because we have a heavenly home that we are longing for. And so we too are exiles in this land who have the opportunity, the requirement to submit to authorities over us. So I think there's a lot for us to put to practice here. This would be a really easy section of scripture to just kind of throw out and not want to listen to. But I think it's pretty straightforward. 
So what do we do with that? That's what I'm going to leave you with this week is what are we going to chew on when it comes to the idea of submission? Because Christians are first and foremost called to submit to God, but it doesn't stop there. The call is for those authorities and powers over us as well and for those at home like our husband and our wife. We've got a lot to work on when it comes to submission as children of God because we've been promised the promise that we talked about in week one. We've got some, some so what's that we get the opportunity to practice. and One of those is submitting to authorities. Jordan, let's stand and sing this last song.